0: Welcome to the CVCS Chapel podcast. My name is Anastasia Davi. I am the Community Life Prefect, and I am with our speaker today, Mr. Dan Lysik. Um, some little background information about him he is on the teaching team at Shoreline Church. He's built over 100 playgrounds in 25 different countries. So, without further ado, please enjoy today's message.
1: Guys, we have a special guest today. Uh, He's been here before, so you're going to recognize him. He's in the leadership team at Shoreline Church and just an awesome guy and friend. Welcome, please, Mr. Dan Lysik. Good morning, team. It is true. My name is Dan, and I'm excited to be here with you today. It's actually interesting how God does things and how he structures the timing of things um, because what we're going to talk about today is going to immediately funny, it's going to immediately apply to the fact that there's a car accident just outside. How interesting is that, that something like that would take shape as we're going to talk about this thing? And I know, it because I know that since the beginning of the school year, your chapel speakers have primarily been focused on the topic of the goodness of God. Now, I didn't grow up a believer or following Jesus. In fact, the, the bulk of the first, you know, almost 30 years of my life was spent predominantly in opposition or disinterested in God, and that means that a lot of the last 14 years of my life has been one of asking a ton of questions, and honestly questions that maybe most Christians just, just take for granted. So when I hear something like the goodness of God, my mind immediately asks a question, is he though? I mean, is he really Good? Because my parents got divorced when I was eight, and I got divorced when I was 27. And I've lost friends in war. I've lost friends to car accidents. I've lost friends to cancer. I've lost a bunch of my hearing, and I had to have multiple surgeries to try and even remotely kind of fix it. And I'm sure that every single one of you has a life with similar stories, things that you look back at and you go, boy, it shouldn't have been that way. Or you look at the news or you look at the world that we're in and you're like, it shouldn't be that way. And so, is God good? Spoiler alert, uh, what I'm about to tell you is not going to be emotionally satisfying because there is no emotionally satisfying answer to this question in the face of all of the ugly and hard and painful things that exist in this world and in our lives. So then the other question is, does it even matter if we think so? Does it even matter if you think so? Forget about the statement. Does it matter if you individually believe that God is good? A.W. Tozier says that what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. It shapes the way that we look at our world, our lives, our purpose, whether you think about God the way that Muslims or Mormons do, whether you think about Godza the way that Hindus or Wiccans do, whether you don't believe there is a God the way that atheists and Buddhists do. Each of these things shapes the way that we look at our world, our lives, and our purpose. And let's be honest, even inside the circles of people who call themselves Christian, there are a lot of different things that come into our minds when we think about God. And so that means that the answer is, yes, it matters. It's actually critical for each one of us individually to decide our answer to this question, is God good? Because it is a huge piece of the puzzle when we're putting together what it is that comes into our mind When we think about God, what comes into our hearts, how it informs our actions or our responses to the things that are happening out in the world and in our lives as individuals, especially when it comes to the things that are so clearly not good. Is God good? And if so, why is there so much bad in this world? Well, let's start at the beginning. Genesis says that at each step of creation, God looks around and says that things are good. They're good, they're good, they're good. Over and over, he says it. After making humanity, he steps back and he looks at all of creation and he says that it is very good. And implicit in this statement is that there is no bad. God's original design for humanity for us, for creation, for nature was perfect. There was no cheating. There was no divorce. There was no war. There was no cancer. There was no slavery. There were no drugs. There's no gossip. There's no rape. There's no gangs. There's no human trafficking. There's no racism. There's no harassment. There are no earthquakes. There are no hurricanes. There is no bad in his original design. There is only good. See, God did not create Evil because there is no evil within him. But what he did create was a thing called free will. And starting with Adam and Eve, he built in each one of us the ability to choose, to trust what God says is good, or to decide for ourselves what we think will be good. Now, quick survey: you don't need to put your hand in the air, you don't need to stand up, you don't need anything. Just in your mind, here's what I want you to do. Have you ever had something in your life happen to you that you thought was the worst thing ever or your worst day possible? And today when you look back on it, you actually look back on it and go, I'm glad that happened. Or you can see the good things that came out of it. I would argue that every one of us has had that kind of experience and will over and over and over in our lives because every one of us is a terrible judge of our current circumstances. Because typically, the truth is, that's all we can see is where we are right now. And so, Adam and Eve did what we all do, and they chose what they wanted, what they thought would be best for them, and here is the reality that the Bible lays out. It broke God's design. God tells them that in that moment, his design for nature is broken, that his design for human relationships is broken. And yet, even in the midst of all of this, he is still good. God had previously told them that a choice like the one they made, would carry a death sentence. Instead, though, he kills an animal and he gives them back their lives. And throughout the Old Testament, from that point forward, we see God making massive demonstrations of his goodness. And throughout the Old Testament, we see a pattern emerge. When people recognize these huge demonstrations of God's goodness, they set up a marker. And typically, it looked like a bunch of stacked stones, like a pillar of stacked stones that they built up to remind them when they looked backwards in their lives on what it is that God had done. And when I think about that, it seems to me that most of us have let go of a really good pattern. See, a a minute ago, I asked if you'd ever had something happen in your life that was terrible, that was the worst, that you felt like this is going to be the end of me. And today you look back on it and you recognize either one that it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me or you saw the good things that came out of it. And yet we forget those things because we don't establish markers that allow us to look back on them because it is in those exact moments where we get to see God's hand at work in our lives it's hard to see them when they're happening. And so building this pattern or this habit or this rhythm into our lives, it's the thing you've been singing about it. We've been talking about it. It's the thing that allows us to trust in the goodness of God when we can't see it. When it doesn't make sense. When nothing happening tells me that it is good. It's when we build this habit and this pattern and this rhythm of remembering all of the ways that he has come through, that in the moment when it feels like nothing is right, that we can trust him. And it's keeping in front of us all the things that he has provided, the ways that he has been present, the way that he has cared for us and we've seen these things come to light. And and I need you to know, the the bad news is this, there is no promise in scripture that our lives will be easy or pain-free on this side of eternity. Jesus himself says, in this life, you will have many trials and sorrows. Thanks for the pep talk, JC. Maybe a little bit more hype next time. Notice he doesn't say that you may have. He says that you will have. And in those moments, when we face these trials and these sorrows, we have to have built into us a pattern of looking back looking back at the stacked stones in our lives and being able to trust that God is, in fact, working and that he is good. But we also have to remember what it is that set this entire cycle in motion. It's brokenness. It is a brokenness. It was outside of his design. It is a broken world filled with broken people and all of it, all of it breaks God's heart more than anything that it could do to us, but none of it ever stops him from stepping towards us in the middle of it, from stepping into our mess to stepping into our, our broken relationships, or a terrible diagnosis, or a tragic loss, or some total betrayal that we have experienced. Into the New Testament, Paul is so confident that this is true, that he tells the believers, we No, not we think, not perhaps, not sometimes, but we know that God causes everything. In Greek, that means everything, that he causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes for them. Now, do not mishear me and do not misquote the Bible. What this does not say is a promise that it is all going to turn out the way that I want it to or that God is gonna answer the prayers the way that I want him to. It is very clear, it says right here, the promises that it will take shape according to his purposes. And that's not easy. But these outcomes are always the ones that we would have never thought of. They're always the ones that we could have never imagined how that would have taken shape. And so, how about you? Is there something in your past or in your present that has you questioning, is God really that good? Can I share a different way of perhaps approaching this if this is, if this is on your mind? Because it will be if it's not yet. Here we go. First, I want you to look back, just like they did first. When that question comes up in your mind, look back. Find the stacked stones and remember the ways that he has provided for you, the ways that he has come through for you. Second, recognize the brokenness that created this situation whether it is choices that someone else made that has hurt you, whether it is your own choices that have put you in this position, or whether it is simply a broken creation like disasters and disease. And then third, finally, I would challenge you to perhaps ask better questions. When these things come up and I go, is God even really good? Rather than asking, why is this happening to me, which is our constant temptation, instead ask, what is God doing right now? and look for that. What is God doing right now? About five weeks ago, I sat with one of my closest friends
0: and I held his hand
1: in the last 48 hours of his life before cancer took him. He's a dad, he's a husband, he's got three girls, some of them are your age. But I held his hand giving God thanks, thanks for all of the amazing things that I had already seen him do in this man's life, and giving God thanks for all of the things that I haven't even seen yet, because I already know his memorial service already has 400 people coming to it. I know that God is still at work through a life that is already back with him, and I sat with this man And held his hand. And the only reason that I could possibly do this with one of my closest friends is because I am reminded constantly over and over of all of the good things that God has done in my entire life. Half of which, more than half of which, was spent in total opposition to him. And the last 14 years of which has been highs and lows of me sometimes getting it right and me oftentimes falling terribly short. And yet still, God is faithful, and God is trustworthy, and God is good always. And getting that right in our hearts and our minds is hardly ever easy. But it is always, always worth it. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your goodness, even when we don't recognize it, even when we don't attribute it to you, even when we can't see that it is about you and that you are the originator of it. Thank you. And Lord, I pray that for those of us who are sitting here today and we're struggling with a reality of not good, that perhaps we could walk through this process of looking backwards and seeing the ways that you have come through and you have provided. Perhaps we could start taking into account the fact that this is not your design. That this is a broken world that breaks your heart and yet you are stepping into that brokenness to make things new. And that Lord, we would, you would give us eyes to see what it is that you are doing in the midst of it that you would close that gap between our doubt and our faith, because this is a hard life, and it's a hard world, and there are many trials and many sorrows that we already are experiencing that we will experience, and yet we don't experience them alone, we experience them with a God who is good and a God who loves, and so Lord, give us that confidence today and in the days ahead, we love you, and we trust you, and we lift up these prayers in the name of your Son, Jesus.
0: that was such a wonderful message thank you so much for sharing I am here with Mr. Lysick for a short interview so you said that you have known the Lord for for 14 years can you tell me a little bit about your faith journey with him
1: yeah, it's really interesting. Um, so I was raised in a Mormon family and at eight, my parents got divorced, which was really fracturous inside of the Mormon church. And all of a sudden we kind of kept kept feeling pushed further and further away from our friends groups. Like, well, we don't want our kids playing with those kids. And, and that just continued to grow um, until by the age of 14, I think my mom was pretty overwhelmed and was like, if you don't want to keep going, don't go. And so we stopped. I stopped. My brothers all stopped. And, um, and so from 14 to, to really honestly about 29 years old, I just, I didn't not believe there was a God, but I didn't really care. And I I figured good people go and there's good people everywhere and it's fine. It's fine. I'm fine. I'm certainly one of those good people that I was confident about. Right. And And around 29, um, well at 27, I got divorced. Um, which meant that I was no longer a husband. You know, my, my family was broken. Which meant that like being a dad was looked different. At the same time, around the same time, I I had lost my hearing or a lot of my hearing in Iraq, and so my time in the Marine Corps was ending. So here I am, husband, dad, Marine. All of these identities that my life was built on were crumbling. They were all falling apart, and it, it was like uh, my life was being like a rug was being pulled out from underneath me. Um, And it made me start asking questions, and, you know, in God's timing, he just had people around me who were really people that I respected who were also Christians. Now, I didn't know the difference between a Christian or a Mormon at that point, or really much of anything, and yet, the way they were living, the way they were behaving, the way they treated their wives, the way they, you know, acted as Marines, all of these things were unique to me. So I started asking questions, and those questions led me into uh, into conversations. that led me to a point where it was so clear to me who Jesus was. It was so clear to me who Jesus was. And then I'll say this, because I know I'm going to talk too long. Uh, here we go. I will say this. For the first three years of my faith, my faith was all head knowledge. I was getting to know things about God, but wasn't actually getting to know God, which sounds cliche. But on my very first playground build, number one of the 100 and I think three at this point, I was in Haiti. I had about three years into my faith. And I'm sitting on a rooftop watching the sunset with a buddy of mine who's also kind of in that same area about three, four years into the faith. And and we're talking about all these interesting head knowledge things. And he goes, you know, I think I'm just going to try and start doing it. And I, like, that seems really rudimentary, but for me it was mind-blowing. Like, what do you mean? And he's like, like, obedience. I think I'm just going to start doing it. Like, I don't know if it's going to work, but I know I, I think I'm going to start doing it. And that, it, like... It was like a second awakening in Christ. Um, And I came back and I just, some relationships ended, some relationships started, things changed, and obedience was the catalyst in my faith. When when I stopped worrying about how does this work and just saying, I'm going to trust that it does work, man, like stuff went crazy.
0: That's amazing that is so beautiful We have a lot of like similarities in our stories I actually have a similar thing with kind of being raised in for a time in my life in like the Mormon church and um, always like doubting that goodness of God and then when my uh, relationship, with him started was in seventh grade I came to church and was like I'm nothing without God like I have no identity outside of this my accomplishments mean nothing and so I just really admire that uh your vulnerability to share that story and I love how you said like your faith started with asking a lot of questions and I guess that goes into kind of my next question is what's something that you hope students walk away with or questions that they begin to ask after hearing your message
1: right well I mean You know, I know that the theme verse for this year is is in Psalms, and Psalms is replete with statements of how good God is. And oftentimes, I think as believers, we can just take that for granted, that it's an assumed. And I don't know that it's an assumed. Certainly in my life, even after becoming a believer, there have been incidents that have happened that have rocked me in a way where I have to ask that question again and answer that question again for myself. Have I decided that this is true? Bible can say it all at once, but have I decided that it's true? And so, I I think that if we ever become disciples that don't ask questions, we've lost our way. Throughout the entire, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, we see them constantly asking Jesus questions. Jesus got asked tons of questions. Obviously, that should be a pattern that we should have too in our in our faith. And there are things that we resolve. And, and the more and more we come back to them and just build on top of those pieces, the stronger our faith becomes. And so I think you know the, the entire thrust was, rather than assuming that God is good, let's ask ourselves individually, do I really think so? Do I really think so? When I weigh that against the experiences of my life, do I really think so? And then stepping back from that and getting a right perspective on who is the author of those experiences, because oftentimes it's brokenness and sin. And it's not God. God didn't design this thing, but sin broke everything. And so God's response to broken things is amazing. He puts them together. He makes them new, right? Like the scripture talks all the time about making things new. And so so I think that's, if if anything, the main takeaway that I would say that I would love for for students or anybody who's listening is is to say, truly sit and ask yourself that question. Do I really believe that God is good? Because you're going to need that answer the next time. You're going to need that answer. And and some of them be really easy to answer in that, in that situation. Some are going to be, some are going to take some time.
0: Yeah. I love that the Bible gives us permission and like authority to ask questions and that those questions become the stepping stones of our faith. And I think it's a beautiful place to be able to sit in uncertainty and in awe and wonder and just wonder like, God, like I want to know more about you. Like I, my knowledge is so limited, but, like, I want to know more. Like, that's a beautiful place to be in your faith. So I appreciate just the reminder of that. Thank you so much for being with us today. It it has been a pleasure and a joy, and um, your message was so beautiful. Thank you. Thank you,
1: Anastasia. This episode has been a production of the Capistrano Valley Christian Schools Podcast Network. Capistrano Valley Christian Schools is a Christian JK through 12 school in San Juan Capistrano, California. Be sure to check out, subscribe to, and leave a review of this show and the other shows on our network on your podcast player of choice. Doing so supports the school community in a multitude of ways. For more information about the CVCS Podcast Network or any of our other shows, check out cvcs.org or email podcasts at cvcs.org. On behalf of the whole network, this is Mr. Jasper saying thank you again for listening and stay tuned for more.